Hello and welcome to C3 City Light Podcast. You'll find us here in Raleigh until all are awakened to the light and love of Jesus. We hope that you find this message encouraging. For more information, check us out at C3CityLight.com or on social media at C3 City Light. Here we go. We're starting a new series today called Our Best Life. And I know your mind, if we had an intro song for this, it'd be living my best life. Anybody know that song? That's the only part of that song I think we can sing in church. And that's okay. Um, I've only heard it on the radio. It's edited, so don't, don't judge me. It's okay. But living our best life. There's something that when God picks us up where, where, from wherever he finds us at, he picks us up and he picks us up with a purpose and with a calling and with a distinct destination that is our best life. Our best life can only be found in God. He's the source of it. I don't know about you, but I want to live my best life. And then as a community, I want us to live our best life. And so today, I want us to begin to get God's vision for our best life. And I'm going to tell you, our best life, the vision, the plan that God has for us is so much bigger than our current capacity. It's so much bigger than what we can currently handle. And so as if we're ever going to materialize and get into that vision get into God's best life for us, we're going to have to grow our hearts, grow our faith, grow our generosity, grow our lives to handle what God's trying to entrust to us. And so we're going to study the life of Abram. And at some point in this journey, not today, probably next Sunday, we're going to get to call him Abraham. Anybody remember Abraham from the Old Testament? the father of many nations. If you grew up in a church family, if you grew up like going to Sunday school with your grandma dragging you to church, they had this song and it was super cheesy. It was just, it was terrible. It was terrible. It was bad. It's queso. It was just cheese. It was terrible. And it was father Abraham, his many sons and many sons. I see everyone that was indoctrinated as a kid just doing their arm. You can't sing that first hook without your arm moving. Father Abraham, and like your hand just starts moving. And if you didn't grow up in Sunday school, that's okay. That's okay. You might be, it might be good that you don't know the song. It might be a good thing. But it was a story about how all of the people of faith, all of the people that are believers in Jesus can track it all the way back. All the way back through the New Testament, then go backwards through the silence years, and then go back through the Old Testament. They finally get to Father Abraham. Had many sons. And I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. Right arm, left hand, and then you're just doing the robot. And, like, that's how these, like, cheesy dance moves get started in kids' church, Sunday school. But that's not the point of this. I'm sorry. I'm having way too much fun today. Father Abraham. But where we pick up the story, his name is Abram. His name is Abram. And he gets told this story. He gets told this vision. He gets like this fast track to like, hey, this is my best plan for your life. Boom. And it's totally just God speaks to him and shares this with him. You remember that game when you were growing up in school? You might have played it in school. You might have played it on the playground or in the classroom. It was called, it had a lot of names. One of the names was Telephone. One of the names was Grapevine. Anybody know what I'm talking about? That you start at one side of the room and you got a line of kids. And you start on one line and and the teacher would say something like, I like pancakes. I like pancakes. And so it starts here. And then little Johnny tells little Susan and little Susan tells Billy. And Billy gets a hold of it and just messes the whole thing up. And before you know it, you get down to the end of the line. And it's just like the teacher's fat like a pancake. 
Like it did, or something like they, they would always get messed up. It would start out, I like pancakes, and the, the teacher looks like a pancake. Whatever. It would always get crazy because the more people that got involved with that little word would distort it, put their distinction on it. Oh, I thought she said grape. Or it, it just gets all messed up. And I think when it comes to generosity and when it comes to God's plan, his plans for our life to live our best life, I think that's what happens. God has given us his word. And I would hold my Bible up if I had it up here, but I don't. I got it on my phone. He's given us his word, these promises, this plan, this distinction calling, distinct calling on our life. And it's like telephone. It's like grapevine. It starts out and it's clear if we go to God's word. But then you look at, we got society saying this. We've got our past experience saying this. We've got all sorts of words and different things trying to dilute it and change it and twist it. And even though it came out, the teacher likes pancakes. At the end of the line, the teacher looks like a pancake. And it's totally distorted and messed up. Anybody ever felt like that? With God's plan for your life? I know he's got a good plan. I know he's got something he wants me to do, but what is it? What is it? Well, I'm so glad you're asking. Um, One of the keys that we're going to be touching into on this series called Our Best Life is about generosity. And I know people get really sensitive and nervous almost like with the church starts talking about money. But like it's money's not about the church keeping the lights on money's not it's not it's not about that. God doesn't want anything from you. Like God doesn't want anything from you. He wants to get stuff to you. He wants to bless you. And if we're ever going to learn to walk in the capacity of the vision, God's best for our life, we have to learn to grow. And so through this series, we're going to be talking about what it looks like to have a generous heart. How does God get my heart to grow? How does God get my capacity with what he can trust me with to grow and expand so I can carry the fullness of what he wants me to walk in? So we're going to be touching on all of that, and we see so much of this from the life of Abraham. But I just wanted to start this series off and give a disclaimer. God is never asking us for our money. He is always giving us an opportunity to unlock a biblical truth in our life. Whenever you saw Jesus in the New Testament and he was teaching on money, he never asked anybody for money. All he did was reveal a principle and unlock a truth. He just unlocked the truth, and it was up on, like, our own, the people that were listening, what they wanted to do with that truth. But I love that. Jesus talked about money so much, he was never scared of it. But anyway, anyway, we're going to get into the day's message. If you will, if you've got your Bible, go to Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 through 4. Awesome. We're going to have to pick up with a story about a guy named Abram. Abram. Here we go. If you've got it, Genesis 12, verse 1. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed, and Lot went with them. Lot was his nephew, and Lot went with them. Abraham was 75 years old when he left Haran. So this is where we're at in the story. Here's a guy minding his own business. He's got a wife. He's 75. She's 75. They're the same. He's got a nephew named Lot. And here he is with his family, 
with his relatives, and he's in his place he grew up, his native country. And God says, Abram, leave all of that. Like, leave your country, leave where you're from, leave your relatives and your family, leave them, and go to a place I'm going to show you. I'm not going to show you right now, but I'm going to show you. So that's God's best for Abraham's life, right? And it starts to get good. I'm going to make you into a great nation. I'm going to make you famous. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you so much that all the people on earth are going to be blessed through you, right? That's God's best. Like, come on, that's, Abraham couldn't dream that. And then later in a couple of chapters, he gets Abraham to, or Abram to look up into the sky. You see all the stars? You see all the stars? That's how numerous your descendants are going to be. When Abraham gets this download, when Abraham gets this invitation from the Lord, he's got zero kids and he's 75 years old. I don't need to get into the birds and the bees and all the things we learned in biology, but I'm telling you, 75-year-olds don't have kids, right? Like, I can't even imagine. I wouldn't want a kid if I was 75. God, you can have that word, man. I ain't trying to change diapers. I'm 75. Like, you keep that. Like, I pass. Like, but come on. He said, no, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to bless you so much that all the people on the earth are going to be blessed through you. Your descendants are going to be more numerous than the stars in the sky. He gives Abraham, he gives Abram a look. He gives him like just a, a download of what things are going to be. But how many of you know that God's best for our life is further down the road than when we currently are at? I mean, we might have a great life. Come on, man. We live in like the top 1% of the world. We live in the United States. If you're in this room, you're living a good life. You're living your best life. It may not be like God's best life, but you know what I mean? It's like a pretty good life. No one's starving. You know what I mean? Like there's plenty of food to eat. We're making it. It may not be like the greatest and where we want to be at, but at least we didn't worry about where our meal was come from this morning. You know what I mean? Like we're in a good place. There's air conditioning in this room. That's a good thing. Like I can celebrate that. I can get behind that. We're not worried about people coming in and slaughtering us and beheading us because we're talking about Jesus and the Bible. Like we're living a pretty good life. But we don't want to just settle for a pretty good life. We want to get our story connected with God's story and we want to live our best life. Anybody want to just live your best life full of joy, full of peace, making such an internal, eternal difference that your life that you live here on earth will ring out throughout eternity. The life that you live now, the investments that you make, the difference that you make, the good that you do, the seed that you sow here on this earth will ring out all throughout history. Lives are going to be changed because you live God's best life for you. That's where we're trying to get to. Number one thing we got to learn today is that God's best, God's plans for our, God's plans are our best life. I can't read. God's plans are our best life. You might have a good plan. You might have a solid plan. All right, I'm going to go to school. Then I'm going to get a good internship, and it's going to be paid. And then I'm going to get it, and I'm going to work my way up from the ground. Then I'm going to invest and invest and do good and just conquer my profession. And I'm going to have a kid and a wife and a kid and a good house. And, and then I'm going to get a beach house, and I'm going to have a boat, and I'm going to have some cool dogs. And, okay, that's a good life. But we don't want to settle just for a good life. We want God's best for our life. And to do that, we got to start with him. God's plans for our life 
is our best life. We got to start there. We are made in the image and likeness of God. God created us. The Bible says in Psalms that when you were in your mother's womb, God knitted you together. He specifically knows how he knitted you. He knows what he put in you. With some of us, he put a whole lot of sarcasm. Anybody got an extra dosage of sarcasm in your life? I see everyone who's sarcastic, not me. And then the friends are like, he's talking to you. But God knows how he knitted us. He put a gift of faith in us. He put some boldness in us. He put some faithfulness in us. He put some loyalty in us. He put the ability to do math in some of us. I got skipped. He left that out of me and gave it all to April. She's got her master's of math degree, and I'm just over here just trying to do arithmetic on, the, like, the, the budget, you know. It's like I can multiply. I can divide. I can add and subtract, but don't add any letters to it. That's when I stopped paying attention to math when y'all added letters to it. Y'all messed me up. I was doing good. But God put different things in all of us, and he knitted us together. Like, he did it. He did it. And because he knitted us together, only he knows what's best for our life. So there's a level of faith that when we start to come to the Lord and start to know him, and we start to listen, and we start to discover through the scripture what God's best is for our life. But we got to make no bones about it. Step number one, we got to acknowledge God's plans is our best life. He wants what's best for us, whether it hurts, whether it goes through sadness, whether whatever we got to go through to get to it, it doesn't matter. It's worth it. At the end of the day, it's God's best for our life, and we got to start with him. And I'm telling you, God's best for us involves such a journey, such a process. He tells Abram, leave your homeland. I want to live in my homeland. I'm trying to get a home court advantage. You know people. You're already established. Oh. Remember him when he was growing up? Yeah, come. you got a home court advantage. It's a good thing. God tells Abram, leave. Leave your native country. Leave your relatives, all the family, all the familiar faces. Leave every single one of them. Trust me. I'll show you where you're going to go. I just want you to leave and start trusting me. It's not so much about the final destination, but it's about the process. God's trying to develop in Abram a heart to trust him, a heart of faith. God you know what? You just spoke to me. You said you were going to bless me. Step one, leave. Done. I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to be obedient. Abraham starts this process, this journey of trusting the Lord. He leaves his family. He leaves his land and he starts to go. I'm telling you, God's best involves promises that are so much greater than our curtain capacity. He's telling Abram, you're going to have so many descendants. They're going to be more numerous. They're going to fill the whole earth is going to be blessed because of you. And this guy doesn't even have one kid. The calling on Abram's life was so much bigger than his current capacity. You ever felt that way? I feel that way every single day of my life. That the calling and purpose for God, his plan for my life is so much bigger than my current capacity. Come on, I'm a young leader. This church last week celebrated eight months, eight months old as a new church, right? And so there's regular things that come up all throughout the week that I have no clue what I'm doing. I'm like, can I Google that? Oh, Google can't help me out. Ooh, I better pick up the phone and call somebody that's done this before, right? When Google can't help you, you know you got to call. You got to call somebody. Google's great, but it can't help you on everything. And I'm telling you, God's calling on our life is so much greater than our current capacity. So what do we do? We have to grow our capacity, We have to grow and stretch our capacity. If we want to inherit and walk in the fullness of God, the blessed life and what God has for us, there's a difference between where we currently are and where God wants us to get to. God help us to grow our capacity. 
So how was God going to get Abram to grow his capacity? Well, step one, leave where you're currently at. Trust me, we're going to grow your capacity to believe. We're going to expand your ability to have faith in God. And the Bible says over in Hebrews that Abraham heard God, believed him by faith, followed him, and it was accredited to him as righteousness. Not because of anything he did, but because he had faith and he was obedient. Step number one, God's plans are best for our life. And it's an invitation to a journey and a process. Step number two, our best life requires faith. Our best life Walking in the promises of God, walking in all that Christ died for us to be requires that we have faith because God's vision and his plan is multi-generational. Here he is talking to Abram thousands of years ago, but the plan was so forward thinking because God stands outside of time. He has no beginning. He has no end. And so he sees the end from the beginning. He gets it. So he's sitting here trying to get this download, this multi-generational, this whole thing that would long last Abraham's lifetime. And he's trying to give him a download of what it's going to be like, a dream that's bigger than Abram's life. It'll far exceed Abram's life. And he's trying to give him that download. I'm telling you, to receive something like that, you got to have faith because it's so much bigger than what you can currently see. There's people all over this room full of dreams, full of visions, full of a purpose and a desire to serve the Lord. And and you're just like, I I don't know what to do. You got to grow your vision. You got to grow your faith. You got to just take the first step. I'm going to leave my homeland, leave my relatives, leave the first step that God gave me. And I'm going to come to church each week. Maybe that's the first step for you. I'm just, I'm new to this thing. I'm trying to figure out what God wants to do in my life. I'm trying to figure out, okay, he's got blessings and promises. That sounds good. Sign me up. What do I do? Well, step one, keep coming, keep turning up, keep coming to church, keep getting to know the Lord, keep enjoying his presence and and filling that environment of faith, hope, and love. Like just keep doing that. Get into a dinner party. Some of your best friends you haven't even met yet. They're just going to sit right across the table from you at dinner. But our best life requires faith. Our faith is built when we step out and step into what God tells us. Verse 4, Abraham left. I love what it says. So Abraham departed. The vision of God's best for his life was so big that Abraham had to respond. And he departed just as the Lord instructed and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old. I'm telling you, it requires so much faith to follow Jesus. It just takes faith because he sees the beginning from the end. He just sees it all. And so when his scripture is speaking outside of time, like he's just got this whole download of how it all works together because he created it. He gets it. But here we are with a limited mind trying to just like receive this stuff by faith and follow it. Abraham leaves. He has faith enough to begin the journey and to leave. He steps out, and within one chapter, we see the blessing of God on his life. Him and Lot, his nephew, they're, they're farmers, they're, they're, they're shepherds, and they've got livestock. And there's so much blessing on their livestock and them growing and reproducing and all of that that the two of them have to split ways because the workers are starting to argue. No, 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 we need the grass. No, we want the grass. Nah. And they're just fighting. So Abram just, Lot, hey, we're family. We're not going to fight this thing out. Like, we're not going to. I'm going to prefer you. What do you want to do? You look out all around us, east, west, north, south. You just look, take a look. Where do you want to go? What seems like the best for you? Um, oh, over there near Sodom, that looks beautiful. Let's go over the green grass over there in Sodom. 
have at it. I'll go the opposite way. So Abram, the blessing of God within one chapter is all over his life. Their livestock is blessed. Their farmers, everything is just blessed and growing. Abram, why is your grass so much greener? Because he's got the blessing of God on his life. That's why, right? And so they're just growing and things are blowing up and doing good. He's, all right, Lot, you go that way. I'll go this way. Well, there was a war that happened. Come on, anytime we're starting to walk and follow the Jesus, opposition's going to happen. A fight's going to break out. Point number three. Point number three, our best life requires a fight. So you pick up in Genesis 4, I'm going to read it to you, verse 11 through 12, and then I'll kind of just keep going. The victorious invaders then plundered Sodom and Gomorrah and headed for home, taking with them all the spoils of war and all the food supplies. They captured Lot, Abram's nephew, who lived in Sodom, and they carried off everything he owned. And then verse 14, when Abram heard that his nephew Lot had been captured, he mobilized the 318 trained men who had been born into his household. Then he pursued uh, Kedor Laram's army until they caught up with them at Dan. Then he divided his men and attacked during the night. Kedor Laram's army fled, but Abram chased them as far as Hobah, north of Damascus, Abram recovered all the goods that had been taken, and he brought back his nephew Lot with his possessions and all the women and all the captives. I can't believe this. Like, I can't believe this. This war was huge. It involved nine kings. You had four kings going against five kings from the north and from the south, and they just met right there in that valley and duked it out. And the king Sodom lost, and the other three kings with them, they lost. They lost. And here is a guy, and I'm going to tell you, if it was me, I would have been really tempted. Lot, we had a good run at it. I gave you the green grass. You went to the green grass. You're over there. Y'all lost. God bless you, man. It was good knowing you. Like, I'm not, come on, you got five kings. And four kings and thousands of people in this army. But he hears this word. Hey, Lot was on the losing side. He got held captive. They took everything that belonged to him and the rest of the people in Sodom. And they're going to be prisoners. Like, they're gone. Abram didn't cut bait. He didn't just leave. He said, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh Get me everyone that's born in my house. Give me my 318 guys. You do the math. Five armies versus 318 people. He had some faith on him. If God's for us, who can be against us? God called us to do this. So Abram rallies up his guys. They go track them down. They wait until nighttime. They split up their army, 318 people. Are you kidding me? That makes no sense. That's a small size army. They split them up. They get a strategy. Hey, at nighttime, this is how we're going to do it. You hit from that side. I'll come in from this side. They defeat them, restore, get all of those captives back and go back home winning winning. Are you kidding me? This guy's got some faith on him. He's got, he's 75 years old, leading an army of 318 people that just defeat all that and gets a lot good to see you, man. I told you I won't go leave you. Come on. If we're going to walk in God's best for our life, we better get ready for a fight. We got to get ready for a fight. I mean, God blesses him. Hey, Lot, or hey, Abram, you're going to be so blessed that all of your descendants are going to be as numerous as the stars in the sky. And here he is walking into this a couple chapters later. And his nephew gets captive, gets attacked. 
I thought your blessing was on my life, God. I thought you were trying to help me live my best life. And here I am, and my nephew's getting locked up and carried away and all that. Where are you, God? Anybody ever asked that question? You felt like you had a good blessing, like God's calling you to go do this thing. So you started out, and you're doing it. And then the next thing you know... All heck's breaking loose on you. Things aren't going the way you planned and you face some opposition. Anybody ever face some opposition? It's hard. But Abram was full of faith. No, 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 no. God hasn't left us. I hate this happens a lot, but it's okay. We're going to figure it out. We're going to mount up the boys, get on your horses. Let's go right in, find Lot, and bring them back with all the other people. The enemy tried to steal all this from us. Let's go fight it. Let's go get it. Let's go get it back. We got to do that in our life. The fight of faith. The fight of faith. I've seen offense wreck more Christians than anything else. I know drugs are bad. I know um, affairs are bad. Infidelity is bad. I know that like finances are tough and can get me. I know health issues are tough and can mess up our faith. But more than any of that in the church, I've seen offense railroad people from following Jesus. I thought you loved Jesus, but then you said, hmm. I thought you loved Jesus, but then you, I heard what you said about me. And I'm not trying to make light of this. Offense is terrible and it hurts. Like I'm not trying, we've all been cut up a little bit. Like I've been cut up at church. It happens, right? Knives get thrown or spears or whatever you want to call it. It happens. But what I found is if we're going to follow the blessing of God for our life, it requires us to fight. And sometimes the first thing we got to fight is an unfendable spirit. I will not be offended. God loves me. That's my brother. That's my sister. I wish they wouldn't have said that. It really hurt my feelings. But you know what? They're imperfect just like me. And I'm just going to, you can't offend the dead person. You notice that? You can argue with the corpse all you want. But if they're dead, they're not going to get offended. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. We're supposed to be dead with our flesh. How dare them? I'm about to get them. Mm, He's going to get what's coming to him. Oh, I wish they would. Say it in my faith, right? And we let offense get in and just stir the pot. And before you know it, that defense brings bitterness and unforgiveness and shame and guilt and death. And then the next thing you look, you look up on your calendar. Man, I haven't been to church in six weeks. Offense, it starts off small, but before you know it, It takes us further than we want to go. And so if we're going to live our best life, if we're going to follow Jesus with everything we've got, if we're going to be like Abram one day just in a field and God comes down, here's your best life, go get it. We got to learn to fight. We got to have faith. We got to take steps of obedience, but we've got to learn to fight. When opposition comes up from the outside or from the inside, we got to fight. We got to fight. We got to fight. And it doesn't matter how bad it looks. It doesn't matter how bad the odds look. Several armies versus 318 people. There's something about a godly strategy. There's something supernatural about following Jesus. There's something supernatural that when the Holy Spirit gets involved, it doesn't matter what the odds are. It doesn't matter what the odds are. We could be a church of eight months old, barely filling, you know, with people in this auditorium. And before you know it, when the Holy Spirit breathes on it and it keeps growing, just like a seed, we'll be running multiple services right here in this room. Don't let that catch you off guard. That's coming. It's coming. It's just part of it. But you got to have faith and you got to fight. When there's opposition, when things aren't going the way you want, you fight. You don't run. You don't give up on the promise. You don't give up on your best life. You double down in faith and you trust God a little bit more. All I need is faith for today, God. If you said it, you will do it. I'm going to believe it. 
I don't have the answers for next week. I don't have the answers for next year. But I got faith enough for today, God, that if you said you'll do it, you'll do it. Let's fight. Let's fight. All right. So Abraham goes. They fight. He rescues Lot and all the other captives and bring them back home. Takes them back to Sodom. And here they are getting greeted in Sodom. And this is how it goes. Verse 18 of chapter 14. And Melchizedek, the king of Salem, and a priest of God most high, brought Abram bread and wine. Melchizedek blessed Abram with this blessing. Blessed be Abram by God most high, creator of heaven and earth. And blessed be the God most high who has defeated your enemies. Then Abram gave Melchizedek a tenth of all the goods he had recovered. That's the first time you see a tithe in the, in the Bible. You see an offering. That's happened before with Cain and Abel. But this is the first time you see a tithe to a tenth of everything. Because come on, man, you've got 318 guys that just defi- def- defended or defeated thousands of people and all these armies. They just cleaned up. They just got paid. Like they just hit the lotto. Like the, the Powerball or whatever, right? Like they just cleaned up. And so here, and you only got to divide it through 318 people. We all getting paid. That's generational wealth. <laughs> oh, the blessing of God's upon my life. We just got hooked up. But that's not how Abram saw it. Step number four, my last point. God is the source of the calling and the resource to fulfill it. God is the source of the calling. This whole thing was, Abram, was God's idea to Abram. Hey, leave your family, leave your native land, and go to this place I'm going to show you. That was God's idea. He's the source. He started this thing. It wasn't Abram's idea. Hey, I think I should leave everything I've ever known and everybody I've ever met. It wasn't his idea. This was God's idea. So he's the source. And then what we see here through this victory and through this, this battle Abraham returned back to the source. I'm telling you, if we can begin in our life to get a vision that God's the source. This thing didn't start with us. It started with his grace. It started with his grace. It's going to be sustained by his grace. And tithing reminds me that God's the source. However you get paid, whether it's once a month or weekly or twice a month, every single time we get a check, What we do is just we give a tenth right back to the Lord. Why? Because it reminds me that I'm not the source. I'm not the one that creates wealth in my life. It's the Lord. He gives me opportunities, and sure, I work and all that, but it's God who's the source of this. He's the source of our best life, and tithing is an opportunity for us to return to the source. Abraham just, they just plundered these guys. There's no telling how much wealth they they had accumulated from this battle, this victory. And then they go back, and there's the high priest Melchizedek, and he blesses Abram. He confirms everything that God had already said. Blessed be Abram by God most high, creator of heaven and earth. It wasn't Abram that came up with this blessing. It wasn't Abram that came up with this best life. It was God who called him. And here's this priest just blessing him with bread and wine. Does that sound familiar to anybody in communion? What? This is all the way back in Genesis? And then Jesus fulfills it all those thousands of years later. It's a foreshadow. But my point in all of this is that Abraham recognized, he recognized that God was the source. 
God's the source of every good thing we have in our life. We didn't get it because of our own abilities. Sometimes we get it twisted and we think we're the source, but we're not. God's the source. So here's my statement about tithing. Tithing is an expression of recognition that God is our source. And that's all it is. It's an expression every single week or once a month or twice a month. Or whatever. It's just an expression that in my mind, in my life, God is the source. And if God is with me, if God started this thing, he's going to sustain it. I don't know about you, but sometimes I need a reminder of that when I look at my check. I need a reminder of that when I look at my bank account. No, no, no. God, you said you were with me. You would never leave me nor forsake me. Now, my money doesn't own me. I own my money. And I'm gonna, you're the source, God. And I'm going to remind myself that you're faithful. I'm going to remind myself that he who began a good work is going to see it to completion. And that's what we tithe as an expression of recognition that God's our source. Do we have to tithe? No. No. Does tithing make God like us any more or less? No. God will not love you any more or any less based on your performance. It's not about our performance. Can I still be a Christian and not tithe? Yeah. Probably never heard a preacher say that, but yeah, you can. Will God still love me even if I don't tithe? Yes. Paul says in Corinthians, don't ever give a gift out of compulsion because someone bullied you and you felt like, oh, I feel so dirty. I just got to give money. No, no. God spared no expense from heaven. God's a giver. God's a giver. God is a giver. He gave the absolute best of heaven so that we could have a walk with him. But as we grow in his likeness, as we get closer to him, we're going to be more like him and we become a giver. Look at Abram. He didn't take a dime off of this. He made sure his guys were paid. He gave a tithe to the Lord. Then he made sure his guys were paid. And then the kings were like, hey, here you go, divvy it up. He said, no, 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 just make sure my guys are paid. I made a promise to the Lord that I wouldn't take any money from you so that at the end of my days, you can't say that you made me wealthy. God gave me a word that he was going to bless me to be a blessing to the nations. And I'm not going to let you take credit for what God said. That is some faith. I would have been like, yes and amen. Let me have that money. Thank you. King Salem, Salem, thank you, King of Sodom. Thank you. I'll take my cut. He didn't take any of it. That's what generosity looks like. That's the type of capacity that God was growing in Abram that he could handle that type of blessing. I'm going to do something so big in your life, Abram, that it's going to span all throughout time. It was a culture and a heart of generosity that expanded his capacity to trust God and to believe. I'm telling you, when we begin to give, when we begin to open up of our time, of our resources, of our talents, the knowledge God's given us, the skill sets we have, when we begin to use that generously to give back, to give back, to give back, something inside of us unlocks and the blessing of God on our life cannot be contained. That's how we begin to get into our best life. Amen? Amen. We hope that you have been inspired and encouraged by today's message. For more info or to connect with us, check us out at c3citylight.com.